Hello, this is Roy Lilly. Well, look, you know I consider myself a bit of a cheerleader for the NHS, a fanboy for the front line. But I do know not everything always goes right. And complaining about the NHS isn't an open door. Usually complaints have to be put in writing, which is not something that everyone finds easy. The total number of all reported written complaints last year was just over a quarter of a million, up by over a quarter on the previous year. Uh, The proportion of complaints fully upheld, well, just over 30% for primary care and uh, 26.8% hospital and community health services. Is that a lot? Around 600 a day? Well, given the huge numbers who pass through the NHS every day, it may not be. There again, if you have cause to complain, it's one too many. The Patient Advice and Liaison Service, PALS, offers confidential advice, support and information on health-related matters and will help members of the public with their complaints, but it's not easy. And there's no doubt about it. If you want to complain, it pays to know a bit about the NHS, how it works, and to be confident and articulate. And that's not a place everyone finds themselves. Complaints often come at a time when people are at their lowest. Trusts are very adept at handling complaints. They've learned saying sorry is not the same as admitting liability. You know, you hear, we're very sorry to hear you've had a bad experience. We've fallen short of our normal high standards. We will, we have learned or learned from this, changed our procedures. Things are different. That was then. This is now. You know, we know letters are templated, checked by lawyers and leave no loophole unplugged. Apologising, saying sorry is cheap and easy. Just listen, sympathise, don't justify, make notes, agree a course of action and follow through. That's what's taught. How to handle complaints. I know I've done it. Managing complaints in the public sector has become a profession. And as for the private sector, well, beware of companies that have complaints departments or customer relations call centres. It means they get a lot of complaints. Knowing how to frame a complaint, following it through and making sure something sticks is rare. Truly successful complaints are few and far between. If you were listening to the BBC's Today programme just after half past seven yesterday, and I include a a link to it in today's e-letter, I'm sure, like me, you would have been gobsmacked. There was a very long interview with a mum whose daughter had died whilst in the care of the NHS, of King's College, actually, hospital. The story is of a young teen, Martha who fell, damaged internal organs and later developed sinister symptoms that were ignored and dismissed, and her beautiful young life needlessly ended. On her death certificate, it should say she died of arrogance, system failure, poor record-keeping and institutional insouciance. Actually, it was sepsis. Symptoms that screamed so loud it would have been hard for a Boy Scout with a first aid badge to miss it. Easily treatable. The tragic tale of medical arrogance, system failure, the danger of dual record-keeping between nurses and doctors, discontinuity of care. It's all textbook of how not to allow departments to insulate themselves and how not to run a hospital. All made worse by the self-importance of the medics who excluded the parents, whispered behind their backs and ignored their pleas. 
Where it all came unstuck for Kings is that Mum is a journalist working for The Guardian with access to colleagues who know what's what and the full resource that a national use newspaper has at its command. Not only Mum is uh, articulate, measured and truthful, but she knew how to dissect King's medical management and frankly shred the hospital's reputation. She discovered at the time at King's sepsis training was voluntary. The department looking after Martha didn't bother to attend. Mum now wants a change in the law to make it possible for families by right to have a second opinion instead of requesting it and being, as she was, fobbed off at the whim of a medic. She wants Martha's Law. By the way, the useless General Medical Council, which regulates doctors, states that all doctors must, quote, respect the patient's right to seek a second opinion. A fat lot of good that did. Some hospitals encourage worried folk to ask for a second opinion, but it's not universal. The final piece in the jigsaw, what about Kings? Well, they've done the usual, said sorry, things have changed, learned lessons, but that was then, this is now, blah, blah. But what happened to the medics responsible for the death of this young life? The medical director who allowed sepsis training to be a choice for doctors. The chief nurse who must have had escalation procedures in place for when nursing notes were flagging up concerns, but they weren't in the medical notes. What happened to the chief executive and the board who are, if not culpable, responsible? There are no historic lessons to learn here. These were all abject failures to do the right thing at the time. Everyone knew what they were doing. Are they all still working in the NHS? Do you think they should be? I don't. Thanks for listening. This has been Roy Lilly and I hope we'll speak again real soon.